y'all. You're listening to episode 62 of Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura Diaz. I am so happy to have you here. Welcome if you're new. Welcome back if you're returning. Today's episode of Eco Chic is all about waste and solutions to dealing with our waste. I'm really excited about this one because if you've ever listened to Eco Chic before, you know that I like love talking about trash. It's actually kind of weird. I am really passionate about figuring out solutions to waste. Before we get into our conversation today, I want to go ahead and just thank you so much for listening to the podcast every week and supporting EcoChic. I so appreciate just talking to y'all and connecting with you and getting your thoughts and your feedback. And y'all have just like really been coming out lately. And I so appreciate that. And I love talking to you. I love connecting with you. And I just want to make sure that I'm super thankful all the time. You know what I mean? So thank you so much for reaching out and supporting and listening and subscribing. And if you enjoy the podcast, I so appreciate when you leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You just have to scroll to the bottom of the show page and there's a place for stars and there's a place to write a review if you would like. I love those because it lets me know like what is important to you, what you like to hear, what you want to hear in the future. And I just so appreciate those ratings and reviews. All right, so let's get into it. So today's episode, we are going to be primarily talking about municipal solid waste. So what your neighborhood trash truck can pick up. We're not talking about hazardous waste or medical waste or any other special cases. Our society cannot realistically operate without any landfills. However, it's definitely economically ideal, socially optimal to decrease the rate at which we are adding to those existing landfills. So we are talking about ways that we can reduce our trash. So what are some of the problems that we have with landfills? Home prices, let's start with that, will decrease in an area that has a landfill. It becomes less desirable and there's the threat of some sort of maybe environmental spillover. There's groundwater contamination threats and you never really know what's happening when there is a landfill leak. There's also a lot of money that goes into the establishment and maintenance of these landfills. So let's think about land costs and labor costs. And then avoiding these additional disposal costs, so adding to the landfills, could actually be a savings to public funds. So tax money could actually be put into other projects that really further the goals of that community instead of just paying for your trash to sit somewhere. Literally, you are putting money into having your trash sit on a plot of land forever. So on the maintenance side, that can absolutely be expensive for taxpayers. And there are some areas that have larger facilities with specialized machinery. There are some areas that have labor requirements more intensely. Some areas may prove to be too expensive to recycle at all. So there's more pressure on those landfills, just given the geographic or market factors in the area. There's a lot of issues that could go into landfills. And we don't really have like a perfect system right now, not in America and not in most countries, to really centralize our landfill-bound waste and how we're dealing with waste. So there's no centralized standardized system, like I said, for us to deal with this waste. But let's also really, really briefly talk about the psychological assumptions that we're making when we're talking about just increasing landfill waste in general. Individuals generally act in self-interest. People care about themselves more significantly than their larger societal impact. So in terms of waste, that means that people really have no incentive to reduce their waste. And we're all kind of set up in a society that encourages pollution because we're in a society that is really encouraging constant consumption. We don't really live in a world where we can just rely on the goodness of people to save the environment. So while practices like recycling and composting can definitely aid in the reduction of those burdens of, you know, of just garbage, they can aid in reducing our garbage. 
financially, socially, the most effective solution for a society would be to just reduce the sources of that waste. So while there are probably ways that we can reduce waste at the end of a product's life cycle, it's really effective to maybe think about the sources of waste. So how do we just decrease the amount that people are consuming? Fun fact, in the U.S. there is no national recycling laws at all, and 15 individual states actually have no recycling laws whatsoever. So we also have to remember that we can't recycle everything. So really, really thin plastics like grocery bags, and most plastics can actually only be recycled once before they're totally unusable. All right, so now that we've kind of set the scene, let's link this background about finances and society to some of the ideas about solutions of dealing with this waste. Municipal solid waste in the United States is disproportionately high compared to other countries. I could actually go ahead and link a paper down below to just support that idea. So we as Americans live in a disposable society. We've already talked about that. It encourages littering over practices like composting, which is a biological waste disposal technique. A disposable society is a threat to the well-being of an economic market. So we're talking about the economics, but we're also talking about the environmental well-being of these markets. So what we are buying and what we are selling, how we're really running these communities. In contrast, the European Union has moved towards adapting a circular economy mindset when they're talking about waste. EU countries have adopted practices to generate energy from municipal solid waste. So waste to energy practices, which we're gonna get into in a little bit. So this is actually like a real written goal of the EU as of 2014, I believe. I will go ahead and like link that down below as well. And I've been receiving messages from a lot of European girlies lately. So like, hey guys, I love making EcoChic like super global. All right, so we already know higher levels of waste can be linked to environmental degradation. So we talked about the environmental concerns of increasing the waste in our societies and increasing these landfill-bound materials. So we can also very, very likely link higher levels of waste to longer-term climate change contributions. Plastic, we know, does not ever truly degrade, and it cannot be fully recycled. We already touched on that. 40% of the plastic today is actually single-use plastics, and the biggest market globally for plastics is packaging. So that goes back to that idea of a disposable society. So we're still talking about what we are sending to a landfill. Food waste in landfills produces methane. So because organic materials are decomposing without oxygen, so they are up in plastic trash bags, they are producing methane, which is 24 times more potent in warming the atmosphere than CO2. So food waste in landfills absolutely is a huge contributor to the rise in greenhouse gas emissions. All right, we've laid out all of our issues. How are we going to reduce trash? We got some options. We could definitely increase recycling programs, but again, that's not a super reasonable answer for everything. We could also incentivize people to collect recyclables by putting more emphasis on cash reward systems that some states already have running for turning in aluminum and then certain kinds of plastics. So you know when you look at a soda can and it has a couple of states listed and then it's like five cents, 10 cents? Those programs could be expanded on to help us reduce landfill-bound waste. But this would require more investment both from the state level and the federal level, and not only into the incentives, but also investment into the infrastructure just to process and recycle more items. So another solution for dealing with the amount of landfill-bound waste that we have could absolutely be increasing composting efforts. So up to 40% of landfill waste in some areas of the United States is biological. So that's food waste, yard waste, stuff like that. I have a few episodes on composting if you want to go back and listen and learn a little bit more about that. 
We've already talked about how food waste inside landfill plastic bags produces methane. So composting is not currently like a super common practice throughout the United States. Similar to recycling, there are no federal policies and very little state encouragement when it comes to composting. But we could, in theory, supply large urban areas, big city areas, with community compost bins, and we could educate different people on the importance of diverting food waste. And there could be a really practical effort to reduce a major portion of our landfill-bound waste, which would be, again, that biological organic waste. So this is actually really evident in European countries where there is very often a separate bin from the trash bin and the recycling bin just for compostable items. There's really no excuse not to compost if you make it super easy and super accessible. Another option we might have for controlling municipal solid waste, so again, what's being picked up in your neighborhood trash collection, could be to charge individual households a fee per unit of landfill waste. So waste collection services could like quickly weigh trash before loading it onto trucks, and then the household would be charged per unit of waste that they're sending to a landfill. So people would, in theory, be incentivized to produce less. But the issue with charging people for the amount of trash that they produce, it could absolutely lead to a lot of illegal dumping of this waste. So just on remote areas, on natural areas, whatever. And then we've opened up this whole new problem of littering. Now we're going to get into the big shiny topic of today, waste to energy. Waste to energy usually refers to the incineration of landfill bound garbage. So basically burning trash to generate energy, waste to energy. Energy is an input to the production cycle. So like how we buy and sell items. Creating energy from consumer waste could directly be used to continue producing those consumer goods and services. So beyond simply lessening our amount of trash, a major benefit of waste energy practices could ultimately be pushing our society towards a circular economy. Now, I do not think that a circular economy is like the perfect solution to climate change. And we got into this on an episode with Dr. Brian Peterson, and I'll link that in the show notes. But encouraging a more circular system of creating new products using energy from old products would ultimately create jobs as the infrastructure is built to support that and then jobs longer term for those systems to be operated and then better maintained. Also, waste to energy practices could generate electricity and or heat from the treatment processes, and they could also create a fuel source derived from this waste. The UK is currently trying to move towards more incineration of their waste, and the United Kingdom has been incinerating about 10 to 12% of their plastics that were originally set for recycling, actually. So mixed plastics and then lower grade materials are being diverted into a refuse-derived fuel, so RDF, or a solid-recovered fuel, which is an SRF. So these are now fuel sources that are available in the United Kingdom, all purely from their own waste products. But there are definitely some cons to the waste to energy systems. So a big one is actually community opposition. Communities are not actively welcoming large incineration facilities for reasons very similar to why you wouldn't be welcoming landfills. You are decreasing home values like we previously talked about. You are an eyesore as an incinerator in a community. So friend of the podcast, Lydia, has actually told me about community concerns in her area in Massachusetts. And beyond the more visual concerns of having a waste to energy system, there are also health concerns in that community. So we're thinking about the ash that's coming from landfills and then maybe the water contamination. There are concerns about how 
burning all of these different materials is going to affect your groundwater, your drinking water, and it is definitely affecting your air. And then in turn, if you want to think about human health and environmental concerns, asthma levels are a very basic one that have already been linked to increasing climate change concerns. So as we continue to pollute our air, there are definitely more and more human health concerns with waste energy practices. We just briefly talked about the awesome things that the UK is doing in terms of waste energy and fuel sources, but I also want to talk about the human health sources that are associated with those practices. So there are currently 36 incineration systems in England, and they are said to produce in a year about the same amount of toxic particulates as 250,000 18-wheeler style cargo trucks. So they call them lorries. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. I'm not an expert on British cargo trucks. But it is a lot of toxic particulates that are being put out into the air right now, the air that people are breathing on a day-to-day level. And it's just coming from a handful of incineration systems. 36 is really not that many treatment systems for the amount of people and waste that is coming from a large populated country. And then we just spoke about air pollution concerns, but on a higher level, there are also atmospheric concerns when it comes to burning trash. So while waste to energy is absolutely producing a low carbon source of energy and fuel, there are greenhouse gas emissions that are associated with burning trash. So it's not like a zero carbon option for solving our fuel crisis or moving away from fossil fuels. Yes, it's a great way to reduce what we have. And then if you are producing fuel from landfill bound items, you are looking at trash as a resource, which I think is a really powerful distinction to make for a lot of us. But it is absolutely still going to be contributing to our greenhouse gas emissions in the long run. If more toxic materials, food materials, things like that, it's all something to consider. Everything has a consequence. So what is the answer? Like, how are we going to reduce trash? Do we charge people for producing trash? Do we just burn our trash? While it would be a super great way to have a new source of energy, again, there's human health concerns and there's just some general preferences we have to deal with. People don't want to see an incinerator outside of their house. Honestly, I don't really have an answer. I don't know what the best solution is when it comes to reducing our trash. It would be great to encourage recycling and composting and then just general reduction. But what are we going to do with what we already have? And how are we just going to move our markets in a way to support a lower waste economy? And again, is a circular economy really the best option for us? So there's a lot of things to consider. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts on this issue and love to hear your feedback on this particular episode. So if you want to get in touch, please, please, please DM me at Podcast on Instagram. My personal page is at Laura E. Diaz, and both are always linked in the show notes below. And then you can also email me via lauraediaz.com, also in the show notes below. And then I would also really like to reiterate that I will always have citations and references for any major points that I bring up in a conversation. So if you want to get like deep into any of the topics that I've talked about today, there will be a ton of citations in the show notes. Again, really easily accessible from lauraediaz.com. But if you're listening in a podcast app, it should be able to link you right to the articles that I am referring to for all these stats and all of these general ideas. So with that, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. Don't forget to rate and review. I hope you are having like the greatest week of May so far. And if you're listening to this in the future, I hope whatever season you're in is like totally fabulous right now and you're just like enjoying it so, so much. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for coming back every week and I will see you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.